Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. What I want to start off with tonight is the concept of what's lacking in our society with what they've done to men. And what they have done in society, especially with the younger generations, is they have taught them not to take on responsibility. To, take, to, to, in fact, tell them or emphasize to them more their rights rather than their responsibilities. And we have a generation of men, I, well, let's not even call them men because they're acting like adolescents. They're in men bodies, but they're emotionally 12 years old. And they have been told all their life through public school that you're a victim and you have rights and you be able, you're able to do this and that and you should demand these rights. And they feminized men in that sense and not talk, taught men how to be responsible. And that is the key thing. Now, when you start realizing how we're made by God, men are actually designed by God to carry heavy loads. They are designed to work. They are designed to bear under burdens. And that's what the Bible teaches. Unfortunately, our society doesn't teach that. Our society is teaching men that the goal in life is to be stress-free, no burdens, um, carefree, do whatever you want, uh, you know, 24-hour vacation, and that's the goal of life. That actually hurts men. That actually causes them to despise themselves causes them to feel like they have no future, they have no hope, and they have no meaning. That's what they've done to this younger generation. No wonder the younger generation's hooked on drugs and video games. Because that's, that's the end that, that you end up with if you're hopeless. And <clears throat> what the key element has been d- done to them, and I think it's strategic, I honestly think that what has been done is strategic to destroy masculinity in America and basically Western society. And the key is take away men's responsibility. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's look at Abraham and the call to responsibility. Because here's the thing. Are you content with where you're at right now? Because at the end of the day, God has something way more for you. He wants more out of you. He, he, he says, look, it's there for you. But it's your choice of whether or not you're going to take the responsibility and do it. And so there's things that God puts on us that we don't have a choice in, right? But then there's things of taking on more responsibility that is a choice. And he presents the choice to you. And he is saying, if you want to live life to the fullest, if you want to be everything I created you to be, if you want to have your full reward in the next life, If you want to wake up in the morning excited about getting up, about what you're going to be doing, instead of dragging uh, through the day, uh, complaining all day long, saying, poor me, I'm a victim of circumstance. If you want more than that, God says, I offer it to you, but you're going to have to be more responsible than you are right now. And I can tell you this. 
how, how will we lead when things get worse here in America? I was talking to a guy in England this morning, and, uh, and he was telling me that what's going on in Cambridge, uh, is it Cambridge? Oxford, Oxford, sorry. The, 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 the area of Oxford. The officials in Oxford have told the residents of Oxford that you can leave your house only 100 times per, per year. And, I sa- and he goes, that includes me and my wife. So you add that up. And I said, I know what the reason is, but tell me what they said the reason was. Well, to save the planet. I mean, seriously, man, this is crazy. This is called, we had lockdowns before for uh, Charlie, Charlie Oscar Victor at One Niner. Now we're going to get shutdowns to save the planet and they're already curtailing that in England of you can, leave, you can only leave this area 100 times out of the year. And if you go over, it's 100 pounds, which is basically equivalent like to 100 bucks. If they, they go over 100 every time they leave their home. Dude, I'm telling you, what he's telling me here is going to eventually come here to lock us down in our homes because to save the planet, to, you know, so we don't give out carbon emissions. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what am I seeing here? And then last night we talked about, you know, them developing uh, like the matrix pods to grow babies in. And I'm looking at all this weird stuff going on and I'm like, how, how are we going to lead our families in this? I can tell you what it's going to be. You're going to have to step up to more responsibility. It's really the antidote to suffering it's the antidote to persecution it's the antidote to a life that starts sucking okay and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna mince words it's going to suck okay life will suck it's you're not gonna have what you thought you were gonna have your economics are gonna go down and they're gonna they're gonna contrite control you and it 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 flat out will suck and we all have to grasp that so what do I do as a man if my life is going to come around me and it's going to be that bad? Well, the only thing is, is your responsibility is the answer to that. It is what will get you out of bed. It'll, it is what will keep you fighting. It is what, you will, what, what will keep you from being a victim and giving up and surrendering. So I'll explain this as we go through. But the quintessential example is Abraham, <clears throat> where we're going to derive it. So this is the typical young adult, typical male growing up, right? They're bored. They have no motivation. There's no direction in life. They don't want to do anything. So they sit in front of, a, of television or, or whatever, a, a, you know, a game console, and they, that's all they do all day long, Okay. They're addicted to it because this, this is their escape from reality of having no direction and having no responsibility. And, and they grow up and they start looking like this, bored with life, don't know what to do. And then they start doing this, right? He's got his controllers in his hands, sucking down Cheetos. Um, that's what starts happening to you. And then you turn into this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
This is what happens when you're bored with life and you, you don't have a job, okay? And it gets like this, even worse. And then it's this. This is where they build a grave around you, even though you're not dead, because you really are dead. And they build, they build the grave around you because that's it. That's all you're worth. That's all you end up doing. This, believe it or not, is what they want to make out of you in our society. The male tox, toxicity as they talk about it, right? Um, they want you to be a lazy, no good, useless human being, man. And that's safe. That's what's safe to them. Because you're no threat to anybody at that point. You're just useless. That's what they're doing to our kids. That's what they're doing to our males. And, and so a lot of the males don't even know what they're really about anymore. Okay, so let's, let's, let's take a look at this. At some point, the males have to face the problem. They have to confront it and they're gonna have to do something about it. At some point. Because they're gonna keep pushing and they're gonna keep pushing and pushing and the wimp males will surrender. They're gonna surrender and because that's what they've been taught to do. As long as they can play their video games and eat their pizza and be left alone, that's fine with them. But it is not fine for you and it's not fine for me because we're called to a higher calling. We're called to face the dragon and like the knights of old, we're called to face the enemy, face evil, confront it because no one else will and contend with it. That's what your call is, not to surrender. So we don't want to forget that. That's the challenge. Okay, so what's the challenge in Abraham's life? What's the problem that's happening, okay? So before I read you the chapter of 12 of Genesis, I want you to read chapter 11 and see the problem. This is obviously a reference to the Tower of Babel. And you, everyone pretty much knows the story, but let's read it. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. So these humans are out of control. They're doing things I don't want them to do. And no evil is beyond their grasp. Hey, is this sound like right now? No evil is beyond their grasp. They're going with the transgender thing, the, whole, the, the cutting up uh, you know, uh, uh, teenagers and, and children to switch body parts on them and all kinds of weird stuff. It's the same concept. There's nothing that's beyond them. They're even willing to grow babies in the matrix uh, cocoons. Come, let us go down and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth. Okay, so he stops it, scatters them, and this is what creates a need, a problem, okay? Let me add one more thing to this. As the nations are now scattered, there's a problem. 
Here's the problem. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, talking about Babel and spreading them out, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that the the table of 70 nations was spread out and God gave them over to the very fallen angels they were worshiping. Basically, it's like Romans 1. I'll give you what you want. You don't want to worship me? You would rather worship these fallen angels? Then fine. Then you become a nation and scatter out and then you can worship that fallen angel. And that's what the, the, set, the table of 70 nations ended up doing is they, they renounced basically through, at the Tower of Babel the worship of Yahweh. The whole world had turned on God. And so he gave them over to what they wanted to do. And he said, fine, then go be your own nation. I'll put you under the very beings that you're actually worshiping, the fallen angels, and they will be a God unto you. So at this point, all of humanity had turned their back on God, which is where we're going as a society right now. Didn't want God. So we got a problem. What is God to do? Well, he's going to pose the problem and, and see if this one individual will take up the fight. If one individual will answer the call to rectify this situation. Okay, that's where we're at. And hence, in chapter 12, we're introduced to Abram. He's not called Abraham yet. He's called Abram. And God has a plan that he wants to propose to Abram. And it's, it's, it's a question of whether or not Abram will take on the responsibility. And what is the responsibility? That he will be the father of a new nation that serves Yahweh only, and that nation will be the one to go recapture all the nations back. That's the task, is you will be tasked to go out and retrieve them that which is lost, right? That's, that's the whole point. God wants to get them back. It's interesting, when you look at the Messiah's ministry, he sent out 70, didn't he? Why 70? Because that's the table of nations, 70, So you'll see the hints of God reclaiming the nations through the Messiah. And then now with the church, he has been reclaiming the nations as he wanted to through Abraham and Israel. And eventually Israel will pick up the tab later on in the future. So here's the thing. Now the Lord had said to Abram, there's the call and it's a call to responsibility. This is big. This is you. You're in this period of time. It's getting dark. Things are getting rough. And the Lord is calling you. Okay? To what? I don't know. But I know he's calling you to more than what you're doing now. He's calling me to more than what I'm doing. Because in order for all the stuff that's going to come down, I got to step up my game. I got to reach to the higher calling. 
And he is doing that with me personally. I have to up my game for what's coming. Okay. So what God is doing here for all of us is he's calling us to something that has eternal value. Okay. So whatever he calls you to do individually, it will have eternal value. It will, it will, it will mean more than what you're even doing now. And eternal value is all over the place. Now, what is the big deal about eternal value? Well, here's the, the, call, the call to it, okay? It's the higher call to do something beyond what you're doing now. I'm not talking about mundane things. I'm not talking about getting a job and going to work. That's your duty as a man. Your duty is to provide for your family. That's expected out of you. You don't get rewards for your duty. You get reward for going the extra mile and answering a higher call. Let me tell you what it's not. It is not a call to safety and security. You can get that right out of your head. It is not a call to happiness either. If the goal in life is to be happy, you're going to be miserable. You will sit there and be as miserable as all get and won't know why because you're on a quest for happiness. It is not a call to be stress-free. Look, you're a guy. You're gonna carry burdens. You have to see stress as normal, that this is a part of being a man. Yes, can you get too stressed? Of course you can. But part of life is you, it's necessary that a man carry a certain amount of stress. Stress is actually a good thing for you because it gets you out of bed. It gets you motivated to do something, right? The stress of having to provide for your family, it's a good stress, right? Because it makes you work and then you provide. So I'm not talking about stress-free because you're not going to be. You have to accept that stress is normal part of manhood, okay? You're going to carry way more stress than your wife. You're going to carry way more stress than your kids. It's all on you, okay? But that's being a man. And you have to step up to the plate and be willing to take that stress, okay? It's not struggle-free. You will fight in this responsibility. It's not a call to comfort, Foxes have holes, the birds of air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Get used to not being comfortable. And it's not a call to sight. What do I mean by that? Sight is that I act based on seeing everything. That I have the provision in front of me, or I have the money in front of me, or I have this in front of me. That's not the call. The call will be of faith. You will go into areas that you can't see because you trust God's word. So it's a whole different ballgame. And here's the thing. Men want this challenge. And they're never challenged. They're always told, you're good. You're fine the way you are. I don't want to hear that as a man. I am not fine the way I am. I don't like this. I want more out of my life. I want to do more for God. And I want to expand my ministry. I'm not content right here. And as a man, you should want more too. I don't want some Joel Olstein telling me, I'm good, don't worry about it, Brandon. That gives me no hope. You tell me that I'm good, what hope is there? My hope is found in progressing to become more like Christ. 
My hope is found in doing more things for the Lord. That if you tell me you're inadequate and you're and and you're you're lacking, at least I have hope that I can get better. But you, Joel Osteen tells me I don't need to do anything. There's no hope for me because I'm miserable. You see what's going on? It works against men to tell them you're okay the way you are. That's terrible. So here's the thing. I'm discussing, and what you're going to see with Abraham is taking on a responsibility. Not that you were given a responsibility by being married and having kids. That's just duty. I'm, I, what Abraham's getting ready to be asked is to, will you take this on as an option of your life? Will you take this on? So it's different than just being handed to it. You actually make a choice in this. You make a choice to be more responsible. And I'm telling you, being more responsible and taking more on will give you meaning in life. It is what we are created to be. And it's, it has the eternal value. I want you to think about this. Taking on responsibility from God gives eternal value. Jesus talked about this being like treasure in heaven, right? What does this do for us? Knowing that you're part of something that has eternal value and you've become responsible for allows you to rise above this sin-cursed world. It allows you to rise above the suffering that you're in. It allows you to rise above the evil and the persecution and the sin within you. Because, yes, those factors are going on. But because you have a higher calling, you push past it. See, if, if you don't have something you're aiming at that's higher for God, you're going to be stuck in the muck and the mire of evil. And you won't know what to do. As a man, you need to know what to do when times are bad. Second, having eternal value to this higher calling gives you a motivation to keep persevering despite the wretched conditions around you. So uh, talking to that guy in England and he's like, he's being told he can't go out of his house more than a hundred times in one year. How's he going to keep persevering? He's got to have a higher call. That means more, that has eternal value. And this higher call allows us to see that we were built for struggle. The reason God built you the way, men the way they are is for battle. It's for battle. That's why you're less emotional than your wife. She's not built for battle. You are. You're built for a fight. You're not built for comfort and security and all that stuff. You're meant to go fight dragons. It keeps us from being a victim if you have this higher calling because you can sit there and suck your thumb and say how bad this is and it is going to get bad. But we can't go into victimhood. So what happens? Here's the thing about victims. This is what they're teaching our boys in public schools. This is why they're ruining them. They're teaching them that, they're, that they need to demand their rights. That's a victim mentality, demanding rights. Now, it's one thing that we're talking about God-given rights, inalienable rights, but here's the thing. When you teach rights without responsibility, guess what you get? A victim. 
If you're going to teach free speech, you have to teach the responsibility of that free speech. And what our schools have done is taught positive rights to people without responsibility. And it creates the feminization of men. And all the men do is cry out that they're not comfortable, they aren't getting served the way they need to be served, and they're a, a bunch of whiny, crying babies. They have not learned to be tough. They have not learned to be responsible. Demanding their way, demanding this, demanding their rights. Look at these people online. They're crazy, right? Now watch. So he's going to call Abraham, and here's the command. Get out. Now in the Hebrew, it's, a, it's a, the same word, um, lech lecha. And what it means is, if you're going to do this, Abraham... You must get out and separate for your own benefit. So there's an inflexive in in the Hebrew, and it's the idea that you need to get out for your own sake. Wow. Wow, that says a lot. What, What do you mean? You need to get out for your own sake. Abraham is quite comfortable in Ur. He's very wealthy. He's got flocks and herds. He could easily say, no, I don't want this. I have a, a good life here in Ur of the Chaldees. Everything's going fine. Why would I go do this? Because God is telling him, what I have planned for you is better than what you have right now. You think you have everything nice and, and tidied up but I want to do great things through you. And in order to answer my call, I need you to separate for your own benefit. This will benefit you spiritually better than where you're at. That's the call to you. You can stay comfortable. You can stay secure and not risk anything. But if you're going to answer the call to the higher calling of what God wants out of you, you must, for your own benefit, separate. Separate from what? Well, look what he says. For your own benefit, you need to get away from your country. That's number one. So you guys got to get away from his people. Then, number two, you got to get away from your family. And then, number three, you got to get away from your father's house. You watch, do you see the progression? You go from the lesser to the greater. Abraham, number one, I need you to leave your country because I'm going to take you to a new area. Okay? So, all your familiar surroundings, the way you do business, the, the, you know, everything that makes life secure for you, you're going to leave. Okay, I noticed this with, with my parents as they're getting older. They don't want to leave their home. They don't want to leave the towns they're in. You know, it would be more convenient for them to be in Bakersfield so we can take care of them, but they'd rather stay in Delano. They'd rather stay in McFarland. Because why? 
It's comfortable. It's, it's familiar to them. It's their surroundings. And I get that. I get that. I'm not knocking them for that. I just get it that in their older age, they're more secure in the familiarity of things. Abraham is 75, by the way. Okay? He's not a young man by any stretch. He's not 21 willing to, hey, I'm going to go light the world on fire. He's 75. He's settled in, familiar with his surroundings. And now God's saying, if you want this, what I'm offering you, you've got to give the familiarity up first. Second, you've got to get away from your immediate family. Your immediate family is holding you back. So you must separate from them. Now, why would that, why would that be a problem? Because I can tell you, when you start serving the Lord at a higher level and you take more on, the stumbling blocks become your own family. It'll be your in-laws, okay? It'll be your cousin. It'll be your uncle. It'll be other people around you that see what you're doing and they're like, hey man, what are you doing? You're, you're freaking us all out. Don't go and do this. This is gonna cost us too much. And so what he's saying, look, Abraham, if you want to do that, you've got to separate them. And then you've got to separate from your own immediate family. Now, this will go in line with his dad. His dad will go with him on the trip and leave, but he'll only go as far as Haran because his dad is not willing to go all the way. And Abraham, in order to go all the way with God to answer this call, he will have to leave his family behind and start brand new again. That's what the call costs you. Now, it might not be these three items. It might be other things. It might be to leave your job. It might be to leave your comfort or whatever, or you're just not used to doing this, and now God's asking you to do something totally different that you're not used to, and your familiarity and surroundings are gone, okay? That, that you're gonna do this alone, Okay? You're not going to have a network of support. It's just going to be you and God. And that's okay. I, <clears throat> a lot of times I, I kept thinking in my own mind uh, when I started Rock Harbor uh, <clears throat> 11 years ago, I, I say in the back of my mind, wouldn't it be nice to have some of my pastor friends with me to be able to do this with them? And it never came to be. I had to do it by myself. And of course, we had the help of volunteers and, and all kinds of great people that helped us get, get going. So, you know, it was that. But it, it was new people. It was people I wasn't used to working with. It was, it was a, a new adaptation. Because the support network I had before, I lost it. And I, I always pine away thinking, well, it'd be nice to have Pastor Larry with me or th this and that and, and to help me. But that's not what God wanted. He says, I'm going to give you new people and it's going to be me and you. And you develop the people around you. We're not going back to the old wineskins. Wow. I now understand this. Because when he calls you, it's you and him. He's going to give you a whole new set of people to work with. You're not going to be able to reach back towards your network that you had. It's gone because it's all brand new if he's going to do a new work in you. So there, therein lies 
the call. So here, a couple things. If you take on this extra responsibility, it most definitely will require a sacrifice on your part. It will not be easy. If it's easy, it's not worth doing. If, you, if your call is to sharpen pencils in the back of pews, that's not worth you doing. You're wasting your time. You need to challenge yourself with something that you look at and you say, I can't do that without God. Otherwise, you're not going to have any self-respect. What self-respect can you have if you are doing the lowest thing that takes no effort whatsoever on your part? Sharp, let's say sharpening pencils. If that's the only thing you can do, where is, what, what do you, how do you image yourself? What do you think about yourself? You know good and well you can do more. You know more, you can be stretched and expanded beyond sharpening pencils or whatever. I'm just making that up as an example. You, you, you have to aim high. You have to aim for what challenges you because here's the thing. If it's a real challenge, it will require separation and sacrifice. Separation from your old ways of doing life and sacrifice for what you're going to give up for it. You will sacrifice. This idea of serving God and you not sacrificing is foreign to the Bible. It's Americana, actually. We have people that serve, and I've dealt with them for years and years and years. I mean, for 20 years, even when, when I was back at the old church I was at, where people would only serve Christ it was, if it was convenient for their schedule. Now, we would have people that, um, hey, you know, um, uh, we, we had a busy day on Saturday. I'm gonna call in sick. W why are you calling in sick? Just because you were busy? Yeah, I'm really tired. Oh, so you can only serve God when you're not tired. Is that how it works? Well, we really had a late night. We got home about nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Really? So it's about your sleep patterns and only if you get a solid eight hours of sleep, then you can serve God the next day. I don't want that person around me. That is not a man. A man says, hey, if I got five hours of sleep, that's great, I'm golden. I'll be there and I'm serving. That's what a man does. A wimp makes excuses. And we don't need that. I don't want a church of men like that. That's foreign to the, the New Testament. The fear of staying where you're at spiritually and missing what God has for you now and for eternity, we're talking about rewards, must be greater than the fear of the risk of the call. There's a risk involved of the call, but you've got to be more afraid of staying where you're at. Because staying where you're at is not satisfying to God. It's not where he wants me. It's not where he wants you. He is not satisfied where I'm at. I haven't reached it. You haven't reached it. He wants more out of us. And he will, he will put us in situations that require things I don't even know I have inside of me and things that are inside of you that you don't know that, that you have. He wants to bring those out in you and show you this is what you're made out of. But that pain of staying where you're at 
It's got to be greater than the risk. Because you won't risk it if, you, if you're comfortable where you're at. Look what he says to him. I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you. He has no clue where he's going. No clue. No clue. What land? Asia, Europe, Africa? He has no idea. But Abraham, pack your gear. We're going. And the one thing I know for sure is you're not staying here. Will you take up that call and not know where you're going? Not know all the details of the plan? That is where you're required to have faith and not sight. That you sign on the dotted line on the paper and say, you take me to where you want me to go. And you sign on that dotted line and then he fills in it in the, in, the, in the blanks later of where he wants you. But you gotta sign up. You won't know where he's going to take you unless you sign up, but you've got to sign on the dotted line. You have to say, okay, what do you want out of me? Well, I want this. And he'll tell you after, but he's not gonna tell you before. You have to sign first. Are you willing to trust God for the assignment? He has no idea what's about to happen. He has no clue. No clue what's about to happen. Okay? Here's the way it operates. You trust in God's word and you do it without provision. First. And the provision will come second. But it won't come until you take a step. So you just got to do it. So I was talking to Bill. Bill we just added Bill to our, our, our staff. And, he, and it's funny, he was saying, I, 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 I'm learning that you guys operate totally different than like the regular world. And I said, yeah, we do, don't we? He goes, you guys are making plans and you don't even have the provision. I said, yeah, that's how it works. He goes, you're planning like years ahead and you're planning like for $5 million buildings and you're planning for this and you're planning for a school and you're planning for, and you don't, you, you don't have the provisions for it. I said, yeah, that's the right, that's, that's how we operate in faith. We know what the Lord's leading us to do, so we just keep going forward and watch what happens. The money will then just come in as we go forward, but it will not go, it will not come in unless I go forward, unless the church goes forward in following the Lord. And, and, and so it's not, it's not a regular business. That's not how a business operates, right? A business operates as you have your money in your bank and then, okay, we have the money, let's go do it. It's not, it's not like that. That's not the walk of faith. The walk of faith is, I might have a little evidence, but usually I'm going on the call of God. And then he provides as I go. That's what he did to him. He didn't even tell him where he's going. And for what for? He just said, do you want to have a better life? Do you want to have a life that counts? Do you want a life that has eternal value for the thing and the things that you're doing will have eternal value? Do you want that? Dude, every guy in America would love to know, yes, I want my life to count. I want it to have eternal value. I don't want to spend my wheels all my life doing something stupid that I wasted my time and then I get before the Lord and he says, you had so much potential, 
but you wasted it because you were so comfortable. I couldn't, I couldn't get you out of your comfort. That's not how to live. So he goes. He doesn't know where he's going. He takes his hurts and everything. Just goes. Where are we going? I don't know. Now, what you will see later on as you study Abraham, this is the path he took. So he leaves Ur, and he is led by the Lord through Babylon up to Ashur, then to Nineveh, and then to Haran. And that's where he departs from his father. His father will not go any further uh, past Haran. And so that's where he has to leave his immediate family. And it's just him and Sarah and, and his, his, his servants and his flocks, and, and, and that's it, right? And then he eventually, you can see the dotted lines as he moves into the land of Canaan, which is the promised land, which is, we know today as Israel, right? Okay, he's a father of the nation of Israel. But he doesn't know where he's going, so he just ventures out. You see this path? This is the path you will be on with God, and you won't know the next step. But at the end of your life, you'll look back and you will see the path, and it will all make sense to you. Right now, it doesn't make sense to you. Because you're going to go here, and then I want you to go here, and then I want you to go here, and up here, and now I need to go down. And none of it will make sense until you finally reach the goal. And when he finally reaches the goal, he sees that it's the land. I'm giving you the land. This is what this was about. But he doesn't know yet. So when you answer the higher call, you don't know where you're going. You just need to follow the next step. That's it. You don't need to know past that. So, in taking this higher call, if you decide to take it on, it'll be a faith. It'll be a faith. That's a guarantee. You will have to walk blindly into this, simply trusting God. Second, the challenge, if you do take it up, will be beyond yourself. It will be beyond your means. It will be, on, be, be beyond your ability. And the first thing you'll say is, I can't do that. Good. Good. I'm glad you say you can't do it because you will need God. And it puts you in a humiliated state saying, I can't do this without God. Perfect. That's exactly spiritually where you need to be. If you say, I got this one, that's not for you. It needs to be beyond you. I can't do this without God. Then now you're, you're, you're tracking. Now you're on the right path. Will you fail? Of course you're gonna fail. Of course you're gonna fail. But many men are afraid to fail. Well, I don't wanna mess up. I don't wanna ruin my life. I don't wanna ruin my wife's life. There's a lot at stake here. Okay. But if you're operating on the call of God and you're operating on faith, if you do fail in this category, you learn from it. It will not condemn you. This is what men are afraid of. They're afraid of trying something and failing and getting rejected and looking bad in front of people. But when you're working with God, you might fail, but you're not gonna be condemned. You're actually gonna learn from it. And you will learn to take the next step forward so you don't make the same mistake. It's a whole different ball game. Do not fear condemnation from failure from God. He will not condemn you. He will say, okay, we need to pick yourself back up, dust yourself off, now get back on it and learn not to do that again. That's the way God deals with failure. Don't let failure scare you. 
Okay, so then what does he do? He's gonna make three promises to Abraham. If you do this, here's the benefits, the eternal rewards that you get by cooperating in this higher call. I will make you a great nation. That's referring to Israel, right? I will bless you. You'll get the blessing of God and make your name great. It's three things. Let's take one by one. I'll make, you, I'll make you a great nation. So out of you will come a new nation that will, I will use to recapture the peoples of the world to bring them back to me. You want to be part of that. See, that's being part of something bigger than you. That's what you have to involve yourself with. It's got to be something bigger than just you. It's got to be on that kind of scale. It has global implications. It has salvation implications. It has discipleship implications. It's bigger than you. It's not about you. So I'll make a nation out of you. Do you want that? Do you want that? I will bless you then because of this. What does the blessings include? We don't know. But I can tell you this. If God says, I'm going to bless you, it must be pretty good. And we'll see that display itself out in Abraham's life. But he doesn't tell, you, he doesn't tell him how he's going to bless him. He just says, I, Yahweh, will bless you. Do you want to be blessed? Of course. Then answer the higher call. The blessing will come in many ways. And make your name great. Isn't it funny? This is in, in contradiction to what they were doing in Babylon. Let us build a tower and make a name unto ourselves. That's what the humans were saying. We want to become famous by doing this. We want to have our name etched in stone. We want memorials given to us for what we as humans build. You know what that is? Pride. That's exactly what everybody does in this world. This is what they do on social media. They have a million followers. So what? You've made a name for yourself. You're a politician. Everyone hates you, but you think you have a good reputation and everybody knows you. You're a famous athlete. You're a famous uh, Hollywood star and, and you want to give your two cents in on political views. That's fame based on your own work. But God says this, I will make your name great. That's different. You see the difference? The difference is if you answer the higher calls, he will boost your reputation. It will be a godly reputation among men. And that's what Abraham's reputation is. He is known as the friend of God. Why? Is it anything that he did per se as far as working himself? No, it's that he obeyed God and actually answered one of the highest callings to sacrifice his son to God. Remember that with, with Yitzhak, right? That's the, gave him the label friend of God. Abraham is known not for what he does, but for his relationship to the one true God. If you want your name forever remembered, it's in relationship to Jesus. He is the one that exalts you, but he only exalts those who answer the higher calling. He doesn't exalt anyone that's just simply doing their duty. These are the things he promises Abraham. Now, furthermore, he gives another command. And you 
shall be a blessing. Now, here's the thing. He's not saying as a result of this, this is actually a command in the Hebrew that here's what you're going to do. You're going to leave and you're going to bless. That's a command to bless, a command to him to bless. What does that mean? Is Abraham, this is not about you. I am going to use you in this higher calling and your job is to bless other people. That's what I want you to do. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with blessing other people. So that's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be blessing people by answering the higher call. Think about that as a, as, for a man. God is calling each man to be a blessing to others. To your family, but beyond your family. Abraham will bless all the nations by his actions. Your job is to bless others. Blessing them by giving them the truth. Blessing them by telling them about Messiah. Blessing them in so many spiritual ways is your job. That's the higher calling. Now, then after that, he says, if you do that, that command, then I'll give you three more things. Do you notice the pattern? Do the command, I'll give you three blessings. Do this command, I'll give you three blessings. And there's three promises, blessings that come from this. If you bless other people, if part of what your ministry is to bless other people and help them, your job is to help them. Get them out of the hell that they're in. Help them get out of the muck and the mire. Pull them out. You've been pulled down, now go get them. They're on the battlefield. Go pull them off the battlefield. Bless them. If you do that, then here's what he says. Now, again, these are bigger implications, obviously, for the nation of Israel. This goes beyond. But again, I just want you to see what he's doing to him on a personal level. I will bless those who bless you. And I will, and the way the Hebrew is, I must curse or basically ban or to impose a barrier on him who curses you holds you in contempt. And by the way, this go, people say, well, that's, that was only for Abraham. That doesn't go for the nation. So sorry, it does. Numbers 24, 9. It applies to Israel. It applies to the Jews. Okay, so it just goes beyond. But I, I just want to stick with Abraham, okay? I just want to stick with Abraham. So he's saying, look, I will now start a foreign policy with you, Abraham, if you answer this call. This is my way of protecting you. If people bless you, great, I'm gonna bless them. But man, if they mishandle you, and the, the Hebrew is treat you lightly, as if you're insignificant, that you're nothing, that, that they hate you or they don't like you, or they just treat you and they don't understand the weight of who you are. They don't understand that you have been picked by me to be the new nation. And they don't understand this and they treat Israel lightly, they ignore them, they're apathetic towards them, they're indifferent, or they actually curse Israel, I will do something far worse than what they're doing. They will treat you lightly, I will treat them harshly. And I will impose a barrier or a ban on them who do this to you. There's a protection. Now here's my question. 
Are you given, I know it's the Abrahamic covenant here, but in the New Testament, under, under the, the, the law of the Messiah, do believers have a certain amount of protection? Yes, you do. You do have a certain amount of protection. Satan can't harm you. He can't kill you. That's the one protection you don't have. He cannot kill you. That's Hebrews chapter two. So you're protected by that. The second line of protection is, is the fact that you're always protected from the wrath of God. That, no, that will never touch you. Um, can you be persecuted? Yes. Can you be, um, can you be uh, scorned and all? Of course you can. But, but what God promises is this, that I will rectify that situation in the end for you. And that's where the, you can see the, the, the reconciliation of this is a form of protection because I'm not gonna let these people go without being punished is what he's saying. I will punish them for what they did to you. Revelation chapter three, uh, and then the great white throne judgment, right? Uh, he, says, he says to those uh, who claim to be believers of God in Revelation chapter three in the, in the Philadelphia church, that I will make them, when they're bowing in front of me, and I force them to worship me, I won't force them to admit that I loved you and that, I w- that you were not the bad person, that you weren't the bad guy, they were. And I will have them admit it in front of everyone. That's God saying, I'll protect you and I'm gonna make it right one day for you. Maybe not in this life, but the next, I'm definitely doing it. Yes, you do have a certain amount of protection. Of course you do. And then it says, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed if you take up the call. This blessing, you will bless everybody, Jew and Gentile. Everyone's gonna get blessed by you. Do you want that, Abraham? Do you want to answer the higher call so that you can serve others? You see what, you see where it's going? It's not that you can serve yourself. It's that, you answer the higher call because you want to serve others. That's where a man takes the burden on because he wants to help other people. That is what James calls true religion. True religion is, he says, as he gives an example, helps widows and orphans. Why did he name widows and orphans as true religion? Because there's only a one-way street on that. You can only serve them. They can't give you anything back. A widow can't give you anything back. An orphan can't give you anything back. You serve them purely on a one-directional path. And he goes, that is undefiled religion. Service to those who can't repay you. Woo! Abraham, do you want that? That's where eternal value is at, Abraham. If you want it, it's yours. But you will have to sacrifice. You will have to give up. You will have to fight. So a couple things. You and I have to make a choice to accept this responsibility. And there's a heaviness that comes with it. There's a weight and here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. You can bear the weight, okay? You, you're made for it. You're gonna have to have God, but the weight he's gonna put on you, you can bear it. You actually can do it. And no one, no, here's the thing. I don't know what the deal is, but guys, you have to encourage other guys to, and tell them you can bear this weight. 
Do not let a guy cry and whine and moan saying, it's too much for me, it's too much for me. He's not thinking straight. He can, with God, anything's possible, and he has the power to do it. Encourage men, you can do this with God. You can fight this. But here's what the heavier load represents. And think about this. The heavier load that you accept, this is what it does for you. The more rewards you get in this life and the next. So my thing is go heavy. Go heavy. Don't do just little light things. Second, the heavier the load, the more meaning and value you will add to your life. You want to you say, what am I about? What am I supposed to be doing? Then take the load. See, here's the thing. Guys don't want to take the load because they know what it's going to be like. It's, it's a heavy burden. But here's the thing. If you're searching for meaning in life, there's no other way you can get it other than responsibility. And the more responsibility you have, the more meaning you get. That's how it works. So people struggle. I don't know what my life is about. It's because you don't have any responsibility. The heavier the load, the more we mature as a man and the more we mature spiritually. To become more like Christ means you're going to carry a heavy load. It's going to require more of you, doesn't it? Fourth, or a sub point. This is how we escape the Peter Pan syndrome. And what is the Peter Pan syndrome? The Peter Pan syndrome is what's, what they're teaching our boys and young adult men in schools and colleges right now. And Peter Pan is the boy who never grew up. That's the syndrome, is the Peter Pan syndrome. I mean, you, you know people, guys that are your age and they act like a 13-year-old. They're emotionally like a 12-year-old. You see this, you see them on TV. They've never really grown up. You know why? Because they were never given good responsibility when they were younger. You know, it was good when our dads made us work in the yard. I hated it every time, but now I look back and I'm like, I'm glad my dad made me cut the lawn every Saturday, three times over. Edge it. Then go dust my room. Then go do this. Go do it. My whole Saturday was just filled with work. I thank God he gave me that. And that was on top of all the sports I was in and all this stuff. He didn't care. You're going to work. And you're going you're, you're to learn what it's like to be responsible. I know you're responsible with your athletics, but you're going to be responsible in areas that you don't want to be responsible. You're going to carry burdens that you don't want to carry because that's what it takes to be a man. You carry things you don't want to carry. And you do it for your wife, you do it for your kids, and you do it for your church, and you do it for your Lord. That's why you're doing it. You don't want to be Peter Pan. And this shows us that we're, we're, we're not okay. We need to grow. And so if you want to grow, people say, how do I grow? Take more responsibility. Take it on and own it. And the heavier the load, the more useful and beneficial you will become to others. You will be able to bless people. See, this is what it does. People, I want to bless people. Great. Then take more of a load. Because the more load you take, the less load you can offload off them and then you actually bless them. That's where the blessing aspect comes from, right? The heavier the load, the more focus is required so we'd stop drifting spiritually. 
See, these young kids, they come up and they say, man, I don't know what God wants from out of my life. And, and I don't know what the will of God is. Well, here's the thing. Just start taking responsibility. Start somewhere. Do something. Start by cleaning up your room. First, that's like I tell my teenager, clean your room up, dude. But why? Why is cleaning up your room so important? When your dad told you, I, I had to clean my room, I had to dust it, I had to vacuum it, the whole thing, right? Why was that so important? Because I'm not above cleaning my room. That's my mess. I'm responsible for my mess. You clean it up. That's called ownership, right? You were being taught by your dad, ownership. I, and you're not above your responsibility. You don't, you're not above the mess that you made. You made a mess, go clean it up, Brandon. No, no one's gonna clean up your mess for you. You don't have mom coming over here and saying, don't worry, honey, I'll take care of it. That's not training to be a man. That's why it was important for our fathers to teach this to us. So that when we're older, I own stuff. Even if I don't want it, I still have to own it because I have to deal with it. It's my job and it's no one else's. That is so vital. But yet, what, what's happening to this generation? You don't worry about it. The experts will deal with it. The, these people will help you. This will help you. Don't even do anything. Just lay there and play video games. It's killing, it's killing the masculinity in, in us. This image right here is what you need to have from this day forward. That's you. That's what you were created to do. With God's help and God's strength, that is what life is about. That's being a man. You're pushing that rock until the very end. And yes, that rock is too big for you, right? Because you, you need God. But that's what the mentality has to be. It, you cannot allow yourself to get spiritually weak because you're pushing a rock, man. You have to stay fit spiritually. You have to keep pushing it. You have to get up out of bed every morning and fight and fight and fight because the rock, if you don't fight, the rock will crush you. It will crush you and leave nothing out of you. But if you fight with the Lord and you keep pushing, man, at some point you will push that rock over and you will be rewarded. Well done, good and faithful servant is what you're looking for as a man. So, learn the lesson from Abraham, because I'm going to. I'm going to take this in and understand what Abraham, think about what he was called to do. Think about the sacrifice, because Abraham is not only the father of faith, he's a real man. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn from Abraham's life, how he teaches us about what it's like to be a man with you, to be in relationship with you, to answer the higher call. And I pray all of us here answer that call. Whatever the higher call is on our life, Lord, what you would have us to do, we'll do it. We'll sign up. We don't know where you're taking us, but we'll sign up because we want that eternal value of our life. We want meaning in our life. We want to make, look back in our lives and say, it was worth it. It was worth it to serve the Lord. Help us to find what you're calling us to do and help us to stay on that path. We pray now in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. 
We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.